0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Enterprise Linux Security. And this episode is actually going to wrap 2021, unless there's like an emergency episode of, oh my God, you won't believe what happened kind of thing. But, um, you know, we'll be back, I believe, January 6th after this one, but we have this episode as the last episode of 2021. And we wanted to talk about recovering from ransomware and I am here as always with Joao to talk about this very subject. How are you?
1: All good, Jay. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. And and like you said, we are wrapping the year with this one and we're wrapping the year with the story that broke just a couple of days ago uh, as we are recording this. Uh, So basically we have this uh, ultimate... The name right? Ultimate Kronos Group is a company that has this private cloud with healthcare and banking and uh, workforce management services that they provide to the companies. And they reported that they had this ransomware infection. And uh, on today's cybersecurity world, this is just another Monday, so it's nothing new to have news about a new ransomware infection. What really stood out from the information that these guys put out was that they expect their services to be down for a few weeks. They are expecting to take at least three weeks to get everything back in order and running again. By the time you're listening to this, if it's still in 2021, it might still not be available, their services. And we would like to talk a bit about why this happened, why such an incident causes such massive disruption and the, the effort that it goes into getting everything back in order again.
0: Yeah, so basically, we're talking about a subject, I mean, we're going to have this happen a lot, where we're going to say, well, this is a subject we probably could have covered early in the podcast, because it happens to so many companies out there, it's in the news um, every now and then, actually, co- it's co- a common thing in the news. So, we, yeah, we we, we saw the blog post, or the the, the notice about uh, the Ultimate Kronos Group, gave us a reminder, like, yeah, we probably should consider talking about the, how it is to recover from something like this to set the groundwork for future episodes where we're going to bring up other companies that have had something like this happen. So um, maybe we'll be able to educate some people out there about the work that goes into it that they didn't already know, maybe even some things they could be doing that they didn't think about doing. So hopefully this, is, this podcast is a good service for both sides of the equation
1: yeah absolutely and this the idea here is not to single the this company out or to just put them in this light or the other we're not going to talk talk about how the the ransomware got in there in the first place it might have been by many different ways many different exploits we just recently covered the log4j we have no idea if it's related or not but there are many avenues to deploy ransomware today unfortunately right um what we went to china light is that some people have this notion that, okay, if you have up-to-date backups, if you have the infrastructure ready to restore those backups to, that you're good to go. Nothing like this will ever cause three weeks downtime for your systems. And right. there are many things that go into these, many aspects that factor into this, that contribute to taking this amount of time. Right. And... and go ahead, sorry. So, I would just like to to start with the first one, because after this company announced the the problem, some of their customers uh, said, oh, but uh, shouldn't you have a disaster recovery plan in place? Shouldn't you have backups? They do, they have the plan, they have the backups and they have the experts to do all that as you would expect them to. The thing is, even with all of that, it still takes a lot of time to get everything back together. That's why it's so important to prevent something from actually starting. But when you get to the point where you're already infected by ransomware, things get ugly at that point. They really do. All the plans go down the drain. And we're going to go over some of the aspects in this, but it's not just having the plans. It's not just having the backup and the know-how and how to get things back together. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Another very interesting aspect of this and I'm saying interesting here, but it's not the right word. Uh, I am sure the, the Chronos team, the Chronos IT team does not find this particularly interesting. This happened about uh, a week and a half before Christmas. So if they're going to take three, if they expect to take three weeks to restore everything, that means that IT team is going to be working through Christmas, through new year, and they will be doing overtime on that period. And to top it all off, (laughs) this is a real cherry on top of all of this. Their payroll systems have been affected by this. So that means those people that are working on solving the issue will get their payroll later than they were expecting it. During Christmas, during new year, so yeah i really feel for that team kudos to them they are doing a very good job there keep it up if you're listening again this is a really unfortunate situation to be in
0: so there's already a lot to unpack and we haven't even gotten to the technical side of anything yet um the first thing i want to mention um and this is you know maybe a personal opinion but i think a lot of people will agree with me on this one of the worst things to deal with when it comes to IT, when you're in the service provider side of information technology is the mindset of the non-technical people that you're serving. And I understand both sides completely. I mean, if, if you think of the service industry as in, you know, your sink is leaking in your bathroom, so you hire a plumber. And obviously, if it starts leaking right away again, then they most likely didn't do whatever it was they were supposed to do to properly fix it. But more often than not, they're the expert. There's just one way to fix it. They fix it, it's done. And that same mindset people will have towards IT where it's like, well, you guys shouldn't be having this problem because you should be able to make your servers completely unhackable and bulletproof and infallible because you're the experts. That's why we pay you. And it's really hard to communicate to people that we're the experts, we can help you out. And this is just a general comp- you know, industry thing, not targeted to any one company, because I've experienced this at many different jobs where the customer, they understandably their systems are down, they get upset because, well, um, they're paying this company to take care of things for them. Why are they having an issue when they're paying a lot of money for this? But what the in, but no one in the industry on the um, non-technical side seems to understand is that even your best company that does everything you know be, I don't want to say best practices I, I I still need to find a better word for that but they're doing like all the good things that people normally do to protect things and the reason why this is so complicated is because there's always another way there's you know you fix this you open that you fix that you then this other thing opens up and then you come out with this really good backup strategy, and then, oh yeah, but this other thing, kinda could still happen, and it's just this this web, with all these different directions and endpoints and things, and it's really 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 hard, for um, people on the other side to understand that, and that gives the administrators more work to do. Um, it's just a bad situation, and then you have, like you said, the holidays that these. Um, individuals are working on things like this you know we're still dealing with log4j um in all these other vulnerabilities out there it just doesn't seem to end um this is just like the most exciting industry for all the right reasons and also for all the wrong reasons at the same time depending on what you're going through
1: yeah and you could be doing all the right things and a new vulnerability comes up that takes it all apart and all your work was for nothing basically um, right. I know we always paint this bleak picture. It's not so bleak. The work is great and it's interesting and it's a fun job to do, but it has these issues that you need to work around and you need to solve security. You need to solve issues around user complaints. You need to solve issues with people management. You need to solve lots of things on this work, but the work is great and it's fun. We love doing it. And don't let us change your mindset on that. If we come up with these stories it's because those are the ones that stand out the rest of the time this doesn't happen okay so i just wanted to point out because we usually have this bleak at least i know i fall into this trap of having this bleak conversation about how bad things are and all that that's not always the case okay new vulnerabilities do come up and we manage to deal with them and we manage to find some way to work around them that's not the 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 actual issue yeah getting back into the into the story here and why they expect to take 3 weeks to get their systems back in order it's because in my view and again we are only working on the publicly available information we don't have the technical details on that but it's easy to extrapolate why it takes so long even you have if you have up to date backups of all the systems that were affected by the ransomware There is one very important factor here that you need to consider before you start restoring any data at all. You have to regain trust in your infrastructure again. You have to make sure that you caught every single last trace of the ransomware infection before you start putting back the data that was there. If you left one system because you either forgot about it or it wasn't properly audited or it wasn't on the inventory list and it was also infected with ransomware and you forgot about it, the only thing that you'll be doing is feeding the ransomware more data for it to encrypt. So you're going to be restoring systems, you're going to be bringing them back online, you're going to be letting your users back in again to use them and then after a few hours, everything is encrypted again and you have to restart. And that's the worst thing that can happen because then it's going to affect the trust that your users have on the systems. So you really need to regain the trust on your own trust on your own systems. You need to be completely sure, 100% sure that you caught all the traces, that you correctly identified the attack vector, the way that the ransomware infection got in, you closed the, the holes that allowed it to get in in the first place, and you completely removed it from whatever systems are still running. And that's before you even start to consider how are you going to restore all the systems.
0: Yep, I've even seen some companies rebuild their deployment image, their standard deployment image from scratch because they don't want to risk like if at some point in the distant past, like something got in and it had some kind of time where it was executing itself and waiting, you know, because sometimes these things get in and they um, have a, a, I think you call it like a time bomb, logic bomb or something like that. When a certain situation is true, then they activate, so they can kind of be dormant for a while in the images, you don't know they're there. I've seen some, I'm not saying everyone should do this, because you have to evaluate this for yourself and your company, and figure out how you need to do this. But I have seen some people, um, I'm not saying this is the right or wrong way to go, Um, just strip it, let's redo the image, let's reinstall a fresh system, build the software into it, we know it's isolated from the um, public Internet, it's fine. Um, But like you said, you have to regain the trust in the system. and That's the thing that I think is probably hardest for the non-technical people to understand, because from their mindset, they're just paying for this service, and they want to get the service that they're paying for. And the company providing that service, the, well, they want to provide that service, obviously, because that's what they do. That's how they make their money. That's how their business is. Um, so it's in their best interest, of course, to, to get it up and running as quickly as they can. Um, but we have to be understanding the situation. Unfortunately, it is the way it is. No one wants to be down. But if that's the way it has to be for things to be fixed the right way, we're yeah. just going to have to go along with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... Like you said, the the backup could have something in it. Um, Imagine that this wasn't just a simple ransomware infection, that it was a hacked system that had laid there dormant with the attacker using it now and then for months now. It might already be in the backup. You might already have the backup with the, the affected system in it. If you restore it again and you put it back in place, great. The hacker will just get in again and deploy whatever he was using before. Mm -hmm. So you really want to make sure that you're doing things right and that you're auditing whatever you're doing before you even start to consider just uh, getting data back on the systems. And, okay, you can tell me, oh, there are backup vendors that claim that there is this zero time restore thing. The only thing that those solutions give you is a view of the data as it is on the backup uh, medium. So if you're backing up for a storage appliance somewhere and you want to do that instant restore thing, what you're doing now is exposing the data that is in the backup to the ransomware. If you haven't managed to catch all the traces of it, it's going to encrypt the backup, okay? And that's the last thing that you want to happen. And that is why it's so, so important to regain the trust in your systems even if it means that you're going to take longer to bring it back together and back up online. Um, And this is something that usually trips people over because when something like this happens, usually the indication that you get from management is, okay, just restore the backups and get everything back online as quickly as possible to, to restart business. And that's not the secure way to do things. That's not the correct way to do things and to respond to an incident like this. You need to understand the incident. You need to understand the attack vector. You need to correctly identify the holes that allowed it to get in in the first place. Yep. Only after that phase is complete, only after you've, you're completely sure that that was how they got in and that was the system they were in when this all started, that's when you can start deploying the, start restoring the backups. Yep. And at that point, another struggle starts. Because if you have terabytes of data that you need to restore for different systems, you're going to be bottlenecked. You're going to be bottlenecked by the speed of the storage, by the speed of the network, and transferring that amount of data is going to take a very long time. And that's a technical term for it, a very long time, because it's really hard to estimate. You know you have this amount of data, but when you're not just restoring to one system, you're restoring to multiple systems at the same time, you're not just adding the time one after the other you're going to have compound effects here on the on the bottlenecks so that it will take more time than restoring one at a time so it's a very long time it's a technical term for that yeah and it's going to take a very long time to get the the restore operation then that's why these guys are estimating three weeks
0: and to kind of give give some more context around this, be, and by the way, nothing I say is final on this because it's just my experience and every, I think the unique part about this was that, I mean, it's like every experience is unique. Your experience is unique. How they got into your servers, if they did, is going to be unique to you and your infrastructure, how you have it set up. Um, there, there's no one way people do things. They do things to get into the system the way that they need to or the way they find. Um, I had a where I worked on a system once and I actually found this fun. I mean, I was, you know, obviously sad that the company had to go through this, but you know, if if that had to happen, I'm at least, you know, if I'm looking into this, it's kind of like detective work. So, you know, I I, I had an image of the server. And I restored the image into an isolated uh, hypervisor environment where the firewall is such that it may as well be like a disconnected virtual network cable. Cause this thing can't even contact LAN, like the virtual network cables unplugged. It's literally like a machine with no ne- network capability that I'm just poking around and going through the logs. And, you know, at this point, there's probably like, I don't know how many tens of thousands of lines of logs, log information to go through, trying to find the exact point that something got in if they're not good at You know um, covering up their tracks going through all that information just to find out how they got in there running the find command against the web server directory to find files that were modified within a certain amount of days to see what was changed that i can't trust in that directory and just kind of going through it going through it going through it and um that that does take time Um, and like you're saying yeah backups are great but another i mean the problem with that is you know how? what if it's there? But not only that, another thing that a lot of people don't think about is um, I've seen companies with cloud storage, which they pay for like this really good cloud storage that has some amazing bandwidth. Like they could never hit that cap. Like it throttles after you hit that cap, but the cap is just so high that unless the business like, like got four times as much business all of a sudden, which is a good problem to have, let's be honest, there's no way they're going to hit that bandwidth cap. But when you're restoring data from a backup in the cloud, you are going to hit that bandwidth limit, I promise you. And they will slow you down um, so much that it will take orders of magnitude longer to restore. And the last time I looked at this, um, I want to say it was EFS on AWS. At that time, I'm no longer up to date with AWS. I don't know if this is still true um there was no plan that you could pay for at that time to opt out of that limit you couldn't say i will give you a thousand dollars more a month for this ultimate plan that removes all the throttling there wasn't a, a such thing at that time it's like even the most expensive plan still had a throttle on there i hope they fixed that because it'd be great if you could temporarily release any throttle limit that you might have but a company had to restore data and obviously, they hit that limit, um, and it really throttles them down to where the um, R sync or whatever it is they're using is just um, just so bogged down, uh, where it's almost like a um, you know an old uh, ISDN connection or something at that on, point.
1: On a situation like this, I, like the one you're describing, I strongly recommend you get in touch with support on your right. cloud provider. On situations like this, they are known to open some exceptions and lift those limits if you're restoring on a critical moment like this for these guys um, and they will work with you to fix this they yep. will probably build you at the end of the cycle but uh, they will lift those restrictions those restrictions and they will let you restore faster than the normal
0: that's a really good uh, point yeah communication I mean, very Yeah, important. communication
1: and yeah. i mean these guys they know the the industry they know these things happen and i've known from past experiences that this will you will get someone who to, to understands this, and they will work with you on, on solving this. And this is true for most cloud providers. I've obviously not worked with all of them, but for the big ones, they will more than likely work with you on fixing this.
0: Yeah, and it's mutually beneficial for them to do yeah. so because they yeah. want your business and you are using their services, so it's a one-to-one match. You, <laughs> please help us out. We're a loyal customer. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's just something that, that happens. Um, and again, if you're restoring, there was this service and the recall, uh, Microsoft uh, making some some fun publicity around this a few years back. When you were migrating your data center, your on-premises stuff to Azure, they, if you were a large enough customer, they would ship you this, uh, small rack on wheels that you would connect to your infrastructure, copy the stuff over to it and then ship them back to them rather than uploading the data through the internet. So yeah, uh, on a situation like this, it could probably obviously cost you, but it could probably be arranged for them to copy stuff on something similar and ship it to you rather than you having to download everything through the cable. Um, yeah depending on the situation it might be feasible for one of one of the solutions to be implemented again talk to them get in touch with support and make make them understand the, the problem um, they probably won't do this for a mom and pop store in the corner but they will do this if you're a uh, company of any size that yep. uh, that bleeps on their radar or something like that but get in touch with them they usually open some exceptions for this
0: Yep. and don't assume they'll say no until you ask. Yeah, yeah,
1: obviously. Uh, do not assume they will refuse this. This is a critical situation. They understand the, the issue. They know that these things happen this, uh, and the stress that your team will be in on a situation like this. I can imagine and totally relate with the IT teams at uh, the UKG Group. The work that those guys are doing during Christmas and during New Year and getting their systems back together in the stress level in that team to make sure that everything is going perfectly fine. I can totally relate to that. And again, kudos to them. They're doing the good work there.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. So what are some other complications? I feel like there's like no way we're going to list everything, but obviously every situation is unique. Um, I know there's many other ways that this could be challenging that makes it the case that you know a company might not be able to be up and running that same day and it takes several weeks like it um, yeah take with these guys
1: yeah. there is something else and i believe these guys have also stumbled on this uh, they obviously asked for law enforcement to to act on this on this matter they were large enough and they are important enough and they have the the customers on the banking and healthcare industries to to actually make that meaningful but they reached out to law enforcement and one thing that law enforcement needs when something like this happens is that they need to image the systems that you have running so for using as evidence and for using for inspection and again that will add to the time that it takes to get your systems back online again it's not just a matter of going there and pulling out the hard disk they will create copies of those hard disks and take with them for further analysis or even the servers at some situations where those disks are encrypted with say um, I don't know, uh, TPM-based encryption, like Windows has BitLocker and uh, Linux has the same on BTRFS, for example. Uh, but there are encryption that depends on the hardware, so they will take the servers for further analysis and investigation. And that adds to the time that it takes for them to get the systems back up again. So that's another complication that uh, that is just piled on top of all, everything else that's happening at the time. Because you have to remember that during the downtime that you're having, your customers will keep will uh, keep complaining. They will keep raising tickets, and they will keep asking, is it, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is right. it done yet? And you're going to have to keep saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's going to still take some time. And at that point, you have angry customers. And that's the last thing that you need. Because they are usually very vocal. And it's been visible on the comments that these guys have had. Again, we're not in any way affiliated with them. We just saw the news. But some of right. the, the comments on the initial press release that these guys put out were vicious. Uh, come on. I mean, uh, why don't you have a disaster recovery plan? Why don't you have a business continuity plan? And the thing goes back into trust again. You could have the best business continuity plan. If you don't trust the infrastructure to be completely free of the ransomware, you shouldn't bring it online because you're just feeding the ransomware. Right. It's the last thing that you want to do. So you have to bite the bullet and keep the systems down. Right. Make sure. And getting that trust, uh, I can't stress how important that is and how hard, hard it is to, to regain that. Because as a sysadmin, if you've had a hacked system, you're never going to trust that system again until you re-image it, wipe it, and get uh, stuff installed again from zero you will always stop the backups that you have of that system. It right. happens. If you know anything about the business, that's how you're going to look at that system after it gets restored. What if I picked up the, the malware on the backup? What if it's already there? What if I'm just deploying it over again? And you don't want to feel like that. You don't want to take the risk that other systems are going to get compromised because you're going to be restoring the malware again. Yeah, that takes time it's just the fact of life it takes time to regain that trust you need to audit everything you need to watch the logs again you need to probably run the systems in isolation for a few hours or even days to make sure that they're not trying to connect somewhere fishy that you're not expecting and that compounds and it just keeps adding and adding and adding and it reaches like three weeks and you can be sure that these guys had all those plans in place it's impossible to run a business of any size especially of this size with cloud components that they're renting to their customers and not have those in place it just does not happen right it's malpractice it's not that they forgot to do something it's not that they are amateurs or anything like that that's ha- that happens it's how it works and you could have the best plans again. And in a situation right. like this, it takes time. You have to accept that it takes time.
0: Correct. And and I think too it's important for the non-technical people. I understand it's frustrating that your company services are down and you've um you know had some cloud company somewhere responsible um to maintain that for you, but you have to understand nobody woke up in the morning And said to themselves, wouldn't it be fun just to keep the systems down a little longer? Like, that'd be so fun. We should totally just keep it down, keep everything. We should just like delay fixing anything because downtime is fun. Like nobody wants this. And especially any other company, they... They want the problem fixed just as much, if not probably more than you do, because this is what they do and it's not in their best interest. And if it was as easy as the comments make it out to be like the disaster recovery plan and whatever else they were saying, it's like, well, yeah, if it was that easy, we wouldn't even be where we are right now, because obviously we would have done that if it was that simple. Um, and they're not amateurs, it's just uh, people, you know, they get um, irate about it. I understand it's, stress- it's stressful, but no one decided that they just wanted to have a problem and wanted to be down any longer than absolutely necessary, but they want to fix it the right way. And it's in everyone's best interest to fix it the right way.
1: Yeah, and you obviously want to run security checks after you restore the systems before getting them back uh, online and publicly accessible. So you're going to be running security checks. You're going to be bringing in pen testers from the outside, preferably, that are going to be trying to attack your systems to make sure that they don't find any other holes that might be there that you haven't noticed. And you want to bring in fresh sets of eyeballs, for example, people that are not so used to the systems that they don't see the the odd things in them. After a while, you get this sense of familiarity with something you don't notice something strange happened there. You're just so used to it being that way. And people brought in from the outside who are not uh, used to working on that system, they will notice it. So at a situation like this, it's good to bring people from the outside to look at the systems. Right. And again, it takes time. And no matter how you look at it, all these operations, they add up to some time. And in this case, they're saying three weeks. I hope it's less. for their sake, for their customers, for yep. everything. I hope they manage to do it in less time than that. But I understand the reasoning behind saying that it's three weeks. I mean, a company like this would never in their right mind just say, OK, we're going to have our systems down for three weeks, if they really didn't have to. <laughs> right. It seems obvious that this is probably the last thing that they were wanting to do at this point. Yeah they had the security incident. They would immediately want to have their systems back up again for nothing else to project an image of diligence or being, I don't know, fast at solving these types of issues, but doing it correctly, it takes time.
0: It does, and and no one is trying to be oppositional, I promise you. Yeah. Like when it comes to the service providers, no one is being oppositional. It's just the way it goes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: The other thing I wanted, I want to get your opinion on this scenario, because let's just invert the whole entire situation. So every company, or I shouldn't say every company, but a large number of companies that I have known that wanted to enlist the service of a managed service provider, cloud provider, or something like that. I'll just use managed service provider. They do this because often, because their own IT team internally is, is overwhelmed enough. So by having an MSP take over an application or two or three or 10 or whatever, um, they're taking some of that workload off of their own IT staff and this bigger MSP can host those apps for them, maintain them so that company can breathe easy, okay, we have someone helping us out, they're hosting this for us, now we can focus on the thing that our company does. And that's why MSPs are so popular because they take the burden away. Um, So I totally understand why they go that direction. I think it's great that MSPs exist because they do a really good thing by taking that pressure off of IT teams. But um, then again, I think the mindset is often, well, you know, we're paying you to maintain our infrastructure. It should never be down. Okay, that's not really fair. And then they put SLAs in the contract when they negotiate this that if we're down more than X amount of hours or days or whatever it is, that you owe us money or we get a free out-of-contract thing. Um, Because there seems to be this mentality that I've never understood, that there's an agreeable amount of time to be down when every situation is different. And I have to be honest, I hate SLAs because nobody wants to keep your systems down, and everyone is going to want to get everything back up and running quickly. They have families, they have friends, they have a life. They don't want to just sit there and, you know, twiddle their thumbs all day. They they, they want to get this fixed. But there seems to be this understanding that, but if you're down more than four hours, we're quitting. Okay, that is kind of unfair, you know, yeah. in my opinion. SLAs so are a business
1: expectation. It really only concerns itself with the, the business sides of things. Right. And. It's fair to have that expectation if someone is willing to offer you an SLA that says that your service will not be down for more than 30 minutes a year and they are offering that to you, then by all means, take it, but try to understand how they are ensuring that. Because in a situation like what happened to this company, it would be really, really hard for any uh, architecture to be able to keep keep up with that SLA in any situation. Because again you would fall in the same on the same situation. They would bring it up within 30 minutes to meet the SLA, but then it would be down an hour or two or a day or a week afterwards because it was reinfected by ransomware. Right. And it all boils down to that trust. I'm not even considering the, the business side of things when I'm talking about this. It's just the, the effort on the part of the IT team here trying to keep their systems running and the effort it takes and the the amount of things that have to be done to ensure that when you bring those systems back online again, they won't simply fall down after a few minutes or after a few hours because you missed something. There are two ways that you can go about uh, in a situation like this. You can either wipe the slate clean and restart from scratch, like uh, kill all the VMs, kill all the deployed containers, kill everything, and then just restart them all from scratch. And that takes a long time because (laughs) again you're just spinning a vm and that's fast yeah but when you're talking about a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand or a million systems that you need to bring back up again it doesn't matter how fast each of one is all of them together that's going to take a lot of time because at the end you're going to be running on a limited infrastructure that has x amount of capability and you will be maxing that out soon enough so it's going to take some time to get that back together even if you're starting from scratch Yes and that has its own pitfalls but then because then you're going to have to go back to those systems and make those configurations that you did on that were on production that you still haven't on the deployment scripts because they were recent or some other way you forgot to add them and it's another set and another layer of complexity and instructions that you need to run that keeps getting back to the same point it takes time
0: it really does it,
1: and the other way that you can go about this is just taking a fresh set of servers and restoring the, the backups that you have. But then you have that risk that we were talking before. What if one of the backups has the malware and it missed yep. it? What if you think that it's an infection that happened yesterday, and actually you have the hacker spying on your network for six months? The Solar Winds attack, for example, that happened earlier this year. Um, they discovered that Systems were compromised about nine months before it was discovered. So, every backup that you had of the, the affected systems on that period, they had the backdoor in. So, it didn't matter that you would find it and restore the backups. The backups had the backdoor, so you were restoring the, the way in for the hackers. Yep. And you want to avoid that at all costs. You want to make sure that what you're restoring is free from that. That takes auditing, that takes security experts looking at it, that takes security security mindset looking at those systems and those configurations and pen testing and making sure that it's not running anything that you don't want it to and right. all those operations back again it takes time
0: i've even seen some companies out there that you know utilize msps or even msps themselves will have this entire other data center that's like their cold data center but it's synchronized and yeah. you know hypothetically you could bring those servers up when those servers come down and point DNS over to the other data center. And it's just down as long as it takes the time to live for DNS mm-hmm. to map over. But the problem there, again, the system was syncing yeah. to the other data center and that backdoor or that vulnerability malware, whatever it was, is probably those already encrypted on files. there.
1: Or yeah. those encrypted files were already synced to the other data center. Yep. You have it, the ransomware in both of them.
0: And that's a, a, a you know a good example of a disaster recovery plan. And it sounds really good on paper, right? We have this other data center that's 100% up to date, if that's possible. And we just bring that up, flip the mm-hmm. that's we're done. Um, that does sound great. But like you said, oh. <laughs> files that are infected or encrypted or yeah. backdoors, or whatever it is, if you're syncing from one to one, then you're syncing the problem also yeah, exactly. to the other end as well. So no matter what, I think that's when it comes full circle because no matter what, brilliant and i think that's a brilliant idea no matter what brilliant idea you have come up with either as the it person in the msp or even the company that's enlisting the services there's another way around that there's another but what about this that you add on top of that and there's no end to the but what about this there's always another way so that's really our problem here
1: yeah, on, on a more relatable level, that uh, syncing between data centers, you can think of it like a RAID, a RAID 1, for example, where mm-hmm. you have one disk mirroring the other. If you delete a file, it's deleted on both of them. It doesn't matter if it's syncing between both hard disks. The file is gone, OK? Yep. Uh, this is exactly the same thing. If you have a RAID in your computer and it gets ransomware infection, it doesn't matter if RAID doesn't protect you against that. The file will be encrypted on both disks. It doesn't matter if you pull one disk out and try to recover it. It has right. exactly the same content. And when you're syncing data centers, it has exactly the same content. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the issue there. So uh, there is, okay, there are probably technical ways around it that are very convoluted, that are only at uh, the reach of bigger and bigger cloud providers. But it's really tricky to find the correct architecture that makes this work and makes those SLAs workable. In a situation like this, it's really tricky to protect against. Because of this, if you're keeping systems online as replicas to make sure that you have something to bring up in the event that one fails, you don't want them to be syncing like this. But then if you're not syncing like this, you're going to be missing data. And you don't want that either. So this is a trade-off here. Okay, I can keep your systems available. i give you a 30 minutes SLA, but when the recovery comes back up, it's going to be 30 minutes out of data. That data is going to be gone. If you're okay with that SLA, then sure, it's 30 minutes of downtime and 30 minutes of lost data. It depends on how important that data is. If it's 30 minutes of bank transactions,
0: for example, you don't want that. Right, right. And there's other scenarios that you might think protects you from from this scenario too, where um, you know the mindset might be, well, this this happened yesterday. That's when it started. So let's go back to last Friday's backup. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's a company that has, you know, a site that doesn't change often, which doesn't really happen. Let's go back to last year. But what if they had, uh, you know, something in the system that triggers on December 1st of whatever year and it made it into their systems in you know, February or something. Um, it's like, then the clock rolls around, everything seems good for months. And all of a sudden, why are we dealing with this again? Why didn't we deal with this last year. And then in um, the raid example is a great one. I like that a lot because that's that uh, is a really good example but even then sometimes it's not even you know cri- you know crypto miners or i mean malware or anything it's literally like the hard drives were sourced from the same like uh, the, you ordered them the same day they came from the same assembly line and one of them has a mechanical failure but because they're all from the same run of hard yeah. drives they both go at the same time so that's the issue no matter what clever idea you have come up with there is always the what about situation that's added on top of it and that is why we really have to understand that we need to do our and we I think we are and and they are doing their due diligence already that's what we do in this field we want to make sure that when we tell you everything is fixed that after we say this that that it's not oh sorry i thought it was fixed let's go back into the system again no one wants that we need to make sure that we really mean it when we say we have figured this out this is the root cause analysis this is what happened this is how they got in this is when they got in this is what they did and we have exhaustively analyzed everything we know this is true and here you go that's what we need to be able to say, to just get it up and running thinking it's probably okay. That's really not a situation in anyone's best interest. Yeah. Because
1: at that point you would be losing the customer's trust because they would no longer trust anything you tell them. Okay, they told right. me it was fixed five minutes ago and now it died again. It's obviously not fixed and I'm going to take my business elsewhere. I no. don't want to be in that position. So you no. need to ensure that everything is actually fixed. And there are no clever magic bullets here the the really best thing that you can do is actually prevention mm-hmm. you need to keep those backups you need to keep those back backups with a long retention and in offline media so that they don't get infected with malware if it starts encrypting other systems you don't want them to encrypt the the backup disks That's why you should use separate storage or separate media even preferably that's yep. why we always tell you that you should patch and you should patch often and you should patch as soon as the vulnerabilities are uh, divulged and all that um those are basically the best prevention for this is trying to fix and close as many holes as possible as soon as they are discovered Uh, don't wait with the patching window if uh, management doesn't want to allow a patching operation for a critical fix that you know is very important and they are only giving you that maintenance window for 30 days from today or something like that Make sure that you give them all the arguments that you cannot be exposing your business to risk for 30 days for a vulnerability that's critical, for example, right. or or even further than that. Um, make sure you let them know about that. Make sure you leave it in writing that you told them about that because at the end of the day on the Kronos group sync, I'm sure somebody is going to get the, <laughs> the on the tail end of this. And you can bet it's going to be one of the poor suckers that's right now doing the grant work there. And that's really bad, and that's really something that shouldn't happen, but it does. So um, yeah, make sure you keep a track record of everything, but patch, patch often. Don't wait for the next maintenance window if those are critical vulnerabilities. Keep an eye out for new vulnerabilities. Make sure you're up to date on that information. Find vendors that can support you on this. There are vendors that can support you on this. There mm-hmm. are vendors that provide you life patching service. And here I'm talking about my own, obviously, about tax care. We can provide you with tax care, so with uh, life patching services, but we're not the only ones. I'm not recommending us just because there are more out there. Look it out. But for your own sake, for the protection of your services, do try to keep them up to date as much as possible. If patches come out, uh, warn your users that you're going to have a, an extraordinary maintenance window and your system will be rebooted or something to deploy updates. If it has to, do that rather than... Because when you reach this point, when you reach the point where the the ransomware is already in the systems, then it's going to take a lot more time to fix. If nothing else, that's a great argument that you can use with your management to let them know, okay, you're not going to let me patch the systems today, but if this breaks, then we're going to be down for three weeks like these guys were and show them this story, because this is going to cost them millions of dollars of downtime, right. this downtime here.
0: Sometimes and that's it, what it takes to get people to understand. Yeah, you know, if nothing else, yeah. this
1: story will help you convince management that you really need that maintenance window to happen today.
0: Right, and, and obviously none of the things we mentioned are 100% fixes, but are just things that everyone should do. You mentioned um, live patching, definitely look into that. Um, it's obviously not going to protect you from everything. Um, and there's all kinds of services, like you mentioned, TuxCare, another one. Um, I'm pretty sure that, if I'm not mistaken, when you have some enterprise Linux um, you know, subscriptions for mm-hmm. things like um, Ubuntu, there's the Ubuntu Advantage program. You might already have live patching in your agreement as something that you actually ha- are paying for as part of your package that you might not even be using that you could turn on. Um, have a look at that. If you're paying a provider for your services, if you have Ubuntu Advantage or whatever the, you know, if you have Red Hat or what 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 have you, um, you might already have that. There, Like you mentioned, there's other solutions out there you could look up for live patching if that's something you want to explore. And if you can't make that happen, then at the very least, there's unattended upgrades, which isn't as good. But if you have like a load balancer and you can set up your servers to, you know, automatically update, and then they just kind of cycle through, uh, you could you could kind of create the scenario that way, but then again, there's always another way that someone could bypass things. Um, just just do your due diligence. Also, test your backups and also do a there's a clever term for this i forgot what it was where you just like um have a you know empty data center in the cloud or something you just like restore everything like like all your backups your automation scripts and you just do like a simulation of oh my gosh we have lost everything what do we do let's pretend like we've lost just everything disaster recovery yeah yeah just like and there's so there's other terms for that too i forgot but it's like you test that you you play through that scenario you know if you Are lucky enough to have a slower time, use it to spin up your entire environment, segregated, you know, siloed out that you'd know your scripts are working. And I'm I'm a one-man company, and even I do this. I literally delete things and just recreate them just to see what happens. Um, because I could be down for a few minutes. It's not gonna hurt because most of my content's on YouTube anyway. So I can I could be okay with downtime, unlike most companies, but I just, you know, run my scripts on spare servers, make sure everything works. And I can't tell you how many times I have found that the scripts for automation stopped working, not because the scripts have changed, but something they're pulling from might have changed the URL, right? or is is abandoned. You can't get it anymore, so you've tried it 100 times and it works, but then the following Thursday you try it again, and what do you mean it's a 404? I just pulled this repository last week and it was fine um you you really do need to test this as many times as i've seen these scripts fail like um i, I know automation is great it's not infallible
1: yeah and there is this schrodinger's cat situation with backups the state of yep. any backup is unknown until you try to restore it um yeah and in a critical situation like this it's more than likely broken so to try your restores you won't again it's again the the trust issue you can not trust your backups unless you try to restore them uh, do try to schedule some time to try random backup system restores every so often um, if nothing else set up a, a lab on your in your infrastructure and try yep. to random restore some systems into it make sure that everything does work as planned so that when you have to in a critical situation you won't be caught blind and sighted by this if something
0: breaks and and i don't know if this is a popular opinion i mean i know a lot of people don't have time often because we're overwhelmed but i find that doing disaster recovery testing and spinning up you know servers and testing backups i think it's fun i know a lot of people may not feel that way but um one of two things happens if you're the one that's writing the automation scripts and you're testing it out it's like, oh wow, look at my automation scripts. They ran perfectly fine and everything is just up and running, no problems. This is so cool seeing all the work that I've done result in this um this experiment, this test that was successful. Or um you run it and something fails. That sucks, but you have learned something and you could then tell your boss, you know, bad news I found a problem in the automation script. It failed the recovery test, but good news, I've already fixed it. So if this was to happen again, um, or if we were to need to use this, then we will be less likely to run into a problem. Either way, it looks good on you, right? Because you're either you're testing it and you're fixing it. Um, And it's fun to do because you see the result of your work. You see this, it's just so magical seeing your system spin up in this isolated environment. Servers come online, the, the software downloads, you get a 404 on your, on your browser because they're not done yet. But then a minute later, you refresh the page and then your company's app login page comes up and like, look at that. How cool is that? I only had to hit one button. Um, (laughs) You know, it's great. Um, It's fun to do this. It's not, not, it might be tedious for some, but for me, I think it's actually a a fun thing to do if you're into automation. Yeah,
1: automation scripts is pretty interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. I really like it as well.
0: Oh yeah, it's so much fun. Some of the clever... um, Tricks that people have come up with to automate things that don't want to be automated. That you know, you have this software where everything is hard coded in a um, and it, there's no arbitrary or relative path. It's like full paths, and it's different. And you have you can change the paths as they're going through. There's just so many cool, clever workarounds that people. So you were
1: going to a different direction there. So you yeah. are going to with the the clever ways people find to not do
0: the work. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, you know, there's all there's all kinds. And then, you know, obviously, if you're, you know, uh, certified like soccer or something like that, you're you're supposed to be doing this anyway. Um, Many certifications out there require you to be testing these things. So you have to be doing it anyway to be in compliance. So but then again, you know, back to the main thing, it's all about mindset and understanding on both sides and non-technical people need to understand you know they don't want it to be down um you're not the only customer that they have believe me there's other people yelling at them too they don't want to be down they don't want to have all these people yelling at them so just let them do what they're doing to get everything back up and running i know it's a bad situation just be patient let them do what they do give them some space they're great people just let them figure it out um and do their due diligence which i know they will be doing And um, it's in everyone's best interest to get everything back up and running. So, um, you know, we need to create the culture that we want to see, like just, you know, in kindness, understanding, just let them do their work. And uh, as long as they're communicating with you as they go through it, like Mm -hmm. we've done this and then we've done that, you know, they're working on it. And that's all you could ask for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Make no mistake, they are the ones most annoyed for having their infrastructure down. They were the ones that created those servers, so no one else is going to be more annoyed than them that they are down and they are not responsive. So, yeah, trust us. They are doing the work. They are trying to get everything back together. And just being that guy on the back seat saying, "Are we there yet? Are we there yet?" It's not right. helpful.
0: So in this situation, you know, the company's servers are down. They have a forced vacation. Their company is offline over the holidays while their service provider have a forced no vacation yeah. because they're trying to get things back up and running. So um, yeah. it's just, yeah. Um, thank you again. I know that we say this a lot to everyone working on these things. <laughs> um, we love you guys. You guys are amazing. Um yeah. I'd love to buy everyone a drink if that's what they like if that was possible but you know um i yeah. think thank you is gonna have to be enough for now but uh, we really do appreciate it really though. great work
1: you, you guys are doing
0: awesome so there you go um this is just you know another foundational topic and something we'll be exploring because i'm sure someone will find a way or you know there'll be some other thing we didn't think about or you mm-hmm. know predict, if you will, that will come up that circumvents something we talked about now. Um, There's always, you know, another side to the story. So that's going to be a recurring thread, I think, unfortunately, but we're here to educate. So fortunately, we're here to let you guys know as soon as we find out something is going on.
1: Absolutely. It was another fun episode, Jay.
0: It really was. And it's been a great year for the podcast. Um, Again, if unless we have a breaking news situation, a bonus episode... Um, If I'm not mistaken, it's um, January 6th uh, or thereabouts We back. So, um, you know, we'll be back uh, near the beginning of January for another great year. We kind of didn't start at the beginning of the year this time, but um, it's going to be our first year where we'll have the podcast all year. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be some um, there's going to be some fun things to talk about.
1: Yep. Looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. Me too. All right. Thanks thanks to everyone that's been listening, watching, however you're digesting this. Tell your friends, family, tell your cat about the podcast. If your cat is in the podcast, I don't judge. That's fine. Tell everyone um, we appreciate you and we we will uh, see you um, next year unless for some reason we see you sooner. Yep.
1: Until the next one, guys. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you.